0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible.
1: Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Darryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that the Philistines kill King Saul and his sons, and Israel retreats. It is a tragic ending to the life of a man who started out so well. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl concludes the book of 1 Samuel chapter 31 on Simply the Bible.
0: While deathbed conversions do happen, more typically people tend to die the way they live. This was certainly true in the case of Saul. The great tragedy was that Saul started out so well, he was humble, he was anointed by the Spirit of God. He was an honorable and valiant warrior. But when he followed his own heart and listened to his men, rather than listening to God, he left the upward path and took the downward slippery slope. The Apostle Paul warns us in Galatians 6-7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh Will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. This is the spiritual law of sowing and reaping. When a person begins to sow to his flesh, usually there is no visible outward sign. It takes time to reap what we sow. But no one escapes this spiritual law. Saul sowed to the flesh and reaped corruption. While David sowed to the Spirit and reaped everlasting life. The same law applies to you and me. This calls for self-examination. What am I sowing to? We continue today in First Samuel chapter 31. Now the Philistines fought against Israel and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. Then the Philistines followed hard after Saul and his sons and the Philistines killed Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malchishua, Saul's sons. When the Lord had not answered Saul, he visited a medium which was prohibited by the law of God. It seems that in this instance, God did permit the deceased Samuel to speak to Saul, telling him that he and his sons would die in battle the next day. And everything Samuel said came to pass. It is probable that Saul's sons were with him so that Saul saw their death before his eyes. And with their death was the loss of his hope in his posterity and dynasty. For Jonathan was next in line to be king. However, God had already made it clear to Jonathan and Saul that David was his choice to be the next king of Israel. Jonathan was truly a good man, a valiant warrior, and a friend to David, being closer than a brother. He dreamed of being by David's side when the Lord would give him the kingdom. But how tragic that he would die on the battlefield because of his father's sin. It is often true, however, that the sins of a person can ruin the lives of those closest to them. We often think that someone gets what he or she deserves in this life, but that's not always true. Bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. Ecclesiastes 9.2 says, All things come alike to all. One event happens to the righteous and the wicked. It seems like we all have our share of good and bad in this life. Therefore, we must patiently wait until the next life for our rewards. Then we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. May I say, I think We who have been saved are going to get much better than we deserve. The battle became fierce against Saul. The archers hit him and he was severely wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it. Lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. Therefore, Saul took a sword and fell on it. When Saul was mortally wounded, he was afraid that the Philistines would either torture him or abuse his body, which they probably would have done. But Saul's armor bearer was afraid and would not kill his master. Now, whether this was natural fear or the fear of God in raising his hand against the Lord's anointed, we don't know. Therefore, Saul fell on his own sword. He committed suicide, and it's the first suicide recorded in Scripture. Although it is not condemned here, Saul certainly did not die as bravely and honorably as his son Jonathan. We tend to die as we live. Jonathan feared God and was an honorable and brave soldier in life. He died righteously, honorably, and bravely, fighting for Israel and standing with his father and two brothers. Saul, on the other hand, rejected the word of the Lord, was dishonorable and fearful of David in life, and he died dishonorably, taking his own life, having consulted with a medium the previous day. 1 Chronicles 10.13 gives us the commentary. So Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He failed to obey the Lord's command and he even consulted a medium instead of asking the Lord for guidance. So the Lord killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. This was a tragic ending to a man who started out so well, who was anointed of God, but who left the right path. Verse five. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul, his three sons, his armor-bearer, and all his men died together that same day. Saul's final act of suicide left a bad example for his armor-bearer to follow. How much better would it have been for the armor-bearer to have courageously drugged Saul's body off the battlefield to give him a decent burial? or at least to have died trying. And when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those who were on the other side of the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. Fear and discouragement quickly spread throughout the rank and file of Israel so that they ran for their lives forsaking their cities. The Philistines then took possession of these cities until God would raise up David to defeat them and drive them back. All this occurred to Saul and his army while David and his men were defeating the Amalekites, rescuing their wives and children and subsequently blessing the cities of Judah with the spoils they had taken. Providence defeated the man who rejected God and exalted the man who was after God's own heart. Verse 8, So it happened the next day when the Philistines came to strip the slain that they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. And they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent word throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim it in the temple of their idols and among the people. Then they put his armor in the temple of the Ashtoreths and they fastened his body to the wall at beth When the Philistines saw that the king of Israel was dead, along with his three princes, they took full advantage of the opportunity to exploit their victory, which they attributed to their false gods. They abused Saul's dead body, making his head, armor, and body trophies. They put his armor on display in the temple of the Ashtoreths, which were Canaanite goddesses. And according to 1 Chronicles 10.10, the Philistines fastened the head of Saul in the temple of Dagon, their fish god. Saul's decapitated body they fastened to the wall of beth along with his three sons. The Philistines foolishly gave glory to their deities rather than understanding that the Lord had given Saul and Israel into their hand because of Saul's disobedience. They gloried in their shame, as idolaters always do. Verse 11, Now when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and traveled all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of beth Shan, and they came to Jabesh and burned them there. Then they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree, at Jabesh and fasted seven days. When these valiant men of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done, how they had mutilated and abused the bodies of Saul and his sons and then let them putrefy in the sun, they rode all night 15 to 20 miles to rescue their decaying corpses. They brought them back to Jabesh-Gilead and burned them there, getting rid of the rotting flesh And burying their bones. the Israelites had high regard for giving people a decent burial. Usually they would do it the same day that the person died. So they buried the bones under a tamarisk tree, which would have also marked the graves. Then they fasted seven days, probably abstaining from food until the evening of each day. Now, why did they do this at the risk of their own lives? Forty years earlier, back in First Samuel 11, Nahash the Ammonite threatened the people of Jabesh-Gilead. When they responded that they would be his servants, he told them that he would make a covenant with them if he could put out their right eyes. And so they told him, we'll give us seven days to see if anyone will rescue us. Then they notified King Saul immediately after Samuel had ordained him as king. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul, and his anger was greatly aroused, and he gathered an army of 330,000 Israelites. So they went to war against Nahash and defeated him, delivering the people of Jabesh-Gilead from his hand. Now, 40 years later, the men of Jabesh-Gilead would not forget what Saul had done. Saul had risked his own life to save them, so they risked their own lives, to rescue Saul and his son's bodies from the Philistines. Jesus said in Luke six thirty six, Therefore be merciful, just as your father also is merciful. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Saul had been merciful to them, and now they were merciful to Saul. Now consider how another king, much greater than Saul, came to our rescue. Our sins had blinded us. The devil had us where he wanted us. We had no hope. But Jesus came from heaven to earth to deliver us from sin and death. He demonstrated God's mercy toward us. And each time we celebrate communion, we remember and proclaim his death until he comes. We worship him for his mercy in laying down his life for us. Would we also reciprocate? Oh, we can never lay down our lives for Him in the same way that He was crucified for us, but we can present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. We can demonstrate mercy to others as we have been shown mercy by God. Are we doing this? Remember, we will all reap what we sow. First Samuel began with the birth of Samuel. It ends with the death of Saul. All this was preparatory for the reign of David, the man after God's own heart and the king from whom Messiah would come. But we will have to wait for 2 Samuel for the rest of the story.
1: You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Beginning tomorrow, we will return to the book of Genesis for the next two weeks. We hope you'll join us as we continue teaching through God's word on Simply the Bible.